Welcome to A Little Marketing with Nikki and Mark and Phil, a podcast where marketers discuss marketing and the small moves that make a big difference. A Little Marketing is a collaboration between Blue Whale Communications in Kelowna and 1020 Marketing in Montreal. Have a question or topic suggestion? Email Nikki at Nikki at BlueWhaleCommunications.ca. Look for A Little Marketing on YouTube and coming soon to your favorite podcasting platforms. Subscribe, like, and share. Hi, Mark. Hey, Nikki. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm okay. What's been going on? Well, I actually had a workout this morning with a trainer. I'm going getting back into it, and today was day one, so... Energy is high, legs are wobbly, like all the good things. (laughs) So a little bit of cardio, a little bit of leg work, I guess. Yeah, it was strength training. So like leg day today. So yeah. Did you watch uh, Letter Kenny? I've seen some, yeah. (laughs) Leg day is big. Leg day (laughs) is big. (laughs) So so I don't know that reference, but I do love leg day from my past workout days, I guess. Awesome. It was good. It felt really, really good to get back, so... So uh, I feel like, you know, we've been a little bit out of the swing, even though an episode has been going up live every week. We, we did some pre-recording so that we could compensate for some business travel and some vacation. So uh, how was your time with family? It was really good. It was almost two weeks completely offline. You know, everyone caught up, had family from Germany here as well. So it was a really good catch up with some folks I haven't seen in a couple of years. And that's yeah, right. really nice good for you. It's good. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So today we have uh, somebody on the show that we had anticipated having on the show a little bit more when we <laughs> launched this idea. It's Phil. Uh, <laughs> we have the and Phil as part of our uh, as, as a guest expert today. Uh, Phil and I go back a, a handful of years. Uh, when he was working in uh, at an agency. Uh, we met there while he was handling all-client uh, search and social paid advertising. Um, Phil and I have been working together for a bit, um, and I find that he is amongst one of the top experts in that field. And, and I will take it another level by saying he is one of the, one of the top experts of anybody I've worked with who's been an expert in any field, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's, um, he, he just knows it like the back of his hand. And I feel he has a skill set um, that also transcends what his expertise really is. Mm-hmm. So he's able to do the research. He's able to present results in a way that um, maybe a typical media planner would not be comfortable doing. So um, without further ado, why don't we introduce Phil, Philip Absolutely. Tremblay? I will let him in. There we go. That was quick. Well, Ish. that was quick today, yeah. There we go. There, there he is. It's the and Phil. And Phil, in parentheses. <laughs> That's right. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Good. good we're, we're good. Are you uh, excited to finally make your podcast debut? I held out this long. Let's do it. That's right. Well, let, let's hope this is the first of many guest guest spots. Let's see how it goes. We'll take it one at a time. <laughs> a man of uh, fear of commit commitment. <laughs> uh, so, Phil, why don't you give us a little bit of background? Uh, we gave you a little bit of an introduction, uh, but why don't you go back in time and explain how you've become such a a, a luminary among search uh, and social ad people in Montreal? 
The luminary. I like it. So I've been in the business for, I want to say about 15 years now, give or take. This started off as a hobby for me. I remember reading an article about SEO, actually. That's sort of how I got my start. SEO way back in the day, in the early days of Google, when you could do black hat SEO and not get penalized, stuffed links, white text on white background. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. And so I got my start doing affiliate marketing. Basically, I would promote offers from different companies. You drive referral traffic to their site. If the person signs up or buys something, you get a commission from that. And that started as a hobby and made a little bit of money, turned that into a career by applying to an agency that I was severely underqualified for, got the job. And then I sort of progressed from there and started off as an SEO and SEM, so paid search specialist, and then sort of climbed the ranks. I jumped around a few different agencies. Eventually, my last position was at an agency based here in Montreal called BAM Strategy. Started off as a campaign manager, managing the day-to-day, the planning of the campaigns, execution, reporting, and all that. And eventually, the team just grew, and I found myself spearheading a team of five or six uh five or six specialists so what was your what was your role in actually growing the team was it you were growing people to replace what you were doing as you got new accounts or in cloning yourself (laughs) unfortunately i was not able to clone myself but yeah it was essentially that it was i needed help uh, managing the day-to-day managing a Five million dollar uh, media budget campaign wow. requires, uh, yeah, requires quite a few people uh, to pull the levers and make sure everything is running smoothly. Let, let's go back a little bit, Phil, because I think one of the things that appealed to you when we initially started to talk about working together was not your experience on the five million dollar accounts, but your experience used uh, with local accounts, right? Yes. So talk talk to me about your passion for that, because I, you've often said to me that you find it a little bit more rewarding, not not chal- not as challenging necessarily, but more rewarding. It's not that it's not as challenging. It does come with its own set of challenges, but more rewarding, definitely. Because working when you're working, your client is a multinational conglomerate. The people you're speaking to, they're not the decision holder. They're not the decision makers, or they're not the ones that are going to see the impact of your work. Whereas if I'm working with a local mom and pop shop, that's affecting that person's bottom line directly. So for every dollar invested, we're able to show an actual return. Invest $1, here's what we're bringing back to you in terms of revenue. So that to me is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I think that's something that Nikki and I have talked about a lot over the years Mm -hmm. too. It's just that feeling of being able to help somebody who kind of needs the help. Right. Do you have, uh, so you're talking about like managing campaigns. So what all goes into that? So a lot of it is planning initially, planning and research. So if I take the example of a a local mom and pop shop, it's really understanding the business. What is it, first of all, what, what is their service offering? Is it a product? Is it a service? And then it's finding out how are people researching that? How are people looking for information about that product or service? What types of keywords are they using? Because anybody's first instinct when they're looking for something they've identified they have a need how are they going to find the information and well i think everybody knows this you're going to go immediately to google in most of the cases type in product or service name into google 
So part of my job is finding out how are they searching for that? What types of keywords? Because no, no two people search in the same way. Some people will call it a slightly different name. So I have to find all those different permutations and then evaluate, is this particular keyword worth going after? Or is only one person searching for it? So it's identifying those, those keywords and then plugging them in, building a structure and I'll use Google Ads as an example, building a campaign structure that makes sense, that's logical. So that when people are searching for this keyword, they're gonna see a relevant ad and that's gonna drive them to a relevant landing page. This could try to make the whole experience flow uh, as easily as possible. I like how you're describing this because for the small business owner who does what they do every day and, and, and knows their role, their job, their whatever they're selling, mm -hmm. uh, they don't understand, right? Like what it is to get into marketing, even from social right. to anything. And, and you're using, you know, you know, universally understood terminology to be able to explain that. And, I, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, the benefit of search engine marketing and the difference between that and social ads a little bit. So search marketing is, we usually use search for our, our lower, lower funnel tactics. We'll usually try to capture those searches where people are ready to convert. So they've identified the need, they're looking for that product. And I'm trying to think of an example. I don't know why I'm blanking on it. Somebody's looking for balloons for, for their kid's birthday they're not going to go on social and try to look up all the different balloon stores in the area. They're going to go on Google and search for a balloon store near me. So that's where it's important for that particular store owner to make sure that when somebody types that into Google, that they show up. Whereas on social, it'll be more passive. So on, on social, a platform like Facebook, we can target people with upcoming birthdays or that have friends that have upcoming birthdays. And that'll be more of a passive ad. It'll show in your feed. Oh yeah, that's right. I do have a friend that has a birthday. Maybe I should pick up balloons. So there are two very different strategies, two very different uh, different tactics. They both have their place for sure. Mm -hmm. But search, search will usually drive the more immediate results. Would you ever do one without the other? Because it sounds like social is more of a brand awareness, brand building, whereas then search is like lead generation. Would you do one without the other or do you always do like a combination of the two? If, I mean, it's always budget permitting too. So going back to my, to my point about doing the initial research, if we've identified that there are a thousand searches a month for this very, what is likely a profitable keyword because it's somebody searching for that product specifically, I would usually recommend maximize your budget there. Once you've achieved almost 100% of those thousand searches, you're showing up for all of those. That's when you can start looking into, uh, into other channels like social. It's funny. I just spent uh, two and a half days in a, with a client in organizational marketing meetings, and we had some guests come in for certain sessions. And one of them is a, a media person. And um, he said that, Back in the day, and, and this is a stat that I've been hearing for 25 years already, but back in the day, you, you say somebody used to be needed to be hit with a message X amount of times. And now that number is X plus, you know, <laughs> whatever. What, what's your experience with this? The, this guy landed on 12. I think it's way higher than 12 personally. And what time frame? Oh, good, good point. Maybe speak to it a little bit. Right. So then there is this concept of frequency. 
but frequency without a time frame, because if you say, and I've, I've heard those numbers as well, saying it needs to be at least seven times, seven times what? Seven times in a week, seven times in a day, seven times. And it depends what your objective is too. If it's really, you're trying to build brand awareness, you want everybody in your target demo and your target geo to know who you are, you know, 12 times a month might not cut it. You basically want to be omnipresent. And again, it, it also comes down to budget because there is a cost associated to showing your ads to that specific subset of people X amount of times. But yeah, there, there, there is no magical number that'll fit every business uh, and every target, unfortunately. It's usually a case by case. Yeah, I think the point that he was trying to make is that everybody is so you know, inundated with messages all the time, right? right? So there is a certain minimum number of times you need to see it, an ad or an awareness play to be, even have it hit your radar. Right. And there, there's even studies that'll allow you to measure the impact, the effectiveness of that, uh, of that awareness play. Right. So you can measure what is your brand recognition prior to launching these ads and what is it after. And then you can sort of see if there's a lift. Usually those lifts will be very tiny, even with a massive, uh, massive investment. So it's something that's a lot more long-term. It's not something you can run for a month and then shut it all off and expect your sales to just go skyrocketing. No, for sure. For sure. But so let's talk a little bit about budget. And I think uh, Nikki's question was, was actually a great one. You know, is it one without the other or both or whatever? And it is obviously a function of budget. Often we come in on the scene when a client has either had another agency handling it and they're not happy with the results or they're mm -hmm. not, they don't feel like results have been transparently presented to them uh, or the client themselves has been handling, you know, the boosting things on social or they've been dabbling in, in Google. And there's only, you know, a few of the people that we've met over the years who actually get good at it. Mm -hmm. And I also don't think that clients understand the difference between uh, social ads and boosting content mm -hmm. on social. Could you talk a little bit about that, Phil? Yeah. So boosting and Facebook, that's one of Facebook's greatest, uh, greatest inventions, I guess you could call it, the boost this post, reach X amount of people directly from the page. And it's unfortunately wasted a lot of these small businesses' dollars. Because when you click that button, it tends to, your, your targeting options are incredibly limited or they'll pre-select the targeting that they think uh, your ad should have. So by doing that, you're sort of saying, Facebook, go ahead, you show this ad to whoever you think should see it. When in reality, you might want to target a very specific subset. And that's where these promoted ads, or these, these ads come in, where we can target, we can create an audience. We want women between the ages of 24 and 32 that have these interests that live in, that live in these very specific, even down to the postal code. And then we can do exclusions. We want people that have this interest, but no, we don't want people with those interests. And that all came about from our initial research. That's how we build that targeting. But that's essentially the big difference between clicking that boost this post button and, and doing a Facebook ad and what's now called a Facebook business manager. Mm -hmm. I think that was a really good point, Mark. I've seen that as well, where a lot of people will say, can we boost this? And I say we can, but I'm not sure what it's going to do for you. But then on the other hand, I don't have the ad 
skills either. So then I go, we can, but I wouldn't recommend it. Let me refer you to somebody. And it ends up being something that like, I don't even touch because it's, sure. every time I look at it, it's a uh, change in the back end, I feel like. And, and you also have to understand too, that the post, what, what are you trying to accomplish by boosting that post? Is it just, you want this many people to see your posts, but then what do you want them to do? And I've, I've also seen a lot of small businesses make that mistake. They'll just promote every post that they put on the page, but a lot of posts don't have a call to action. A lot of posts don't have a link back to their website. So really you get that visibility for the microsecond that somebody will see it in their feed and then mm-hmm. it goes away versus an ad where you add that call to action button or you add a, a button that'll open up a lead form where you can capture their information potentially or watch a video. I think it's important to really identify what is the objective uh, of this post? What are you trying to accomplish? Well, I think you've hit on a couple of things there. One is no matter what you do in marketing, you have to have an objective, right? And if, if you know what you're trying to accomplish, it makes it much easier to decide what the tactic should be mm-hmm. or what the approach should be, you know, holistically from posting to boosting to whatever, if that's even necessary. And the other part is, yeah, I don't, I don't think that people understand, for example, using Facebook again, that there are different type, types of CTAs that you can get. Like we, mm-hmm. we've, we've uh, shown our clients that, yeah, you know, we could, we can do lead gen campaigns where we're signing people up to a mailing list, right? Mm-hmm. Like things like that. What, what are some of the other hidden gems of advertising on a closed network like that? So you have like get directions, for example, if it's a brick and mortar store, you can have, if, if there's no other call to action at the very least, put a click here to get directions, get directions to store. You can have shop now, you can have click here to visit our website. You can click here to send a message. You can click here to call. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of these calls to actions. Yeah, and often those put you more in direct contact with a person rather than them right. just seeing your 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 post. Does it? Because if you just boost the post as is, you'll see how many people you've reached, maybe how many people have engaged with it, likes, comments, shares, that kind of thing. But how does that translate into actual business uh, into actual business results? Yeah, yeah I think that's a battle that we're fighting on the organic side as well, where a lot of like that boosted post might get you a lot more likes than it something else, but you can't mm-hmm. tie that to real results and who, right. who liked that post, right? Like probably not your ideal client. Um, and then, yeah, it does nothing for your ROI or your bottom line, but there's that convincing people that likes don't really matter in the long run, but, you know. Right. There is, there is one thing I will add to that. And it's a strategy that we've done in the past too. One of the great things about building those likes and comments and shares, yes, their engagements, their numbers, but what you can do is you can capture all that audience information and then build an audience that you can then speak to after. So there's, there's, there were a few campaigns that we did that we basically did phase one was let's do our awareness play. Let's boost these posts. Let's get this message out there and try to engage with people. And then anybody that had liked, comment, shared, generally engaged with the post, we built an audience called previous engagers. Mm-hmm. And then we served them a more targeted, a more call to action oriented ad with download this, download this document. Yeah, that's, that's important stuff. Like the remarketing aspect of mm-hmm. it, the ability to kind of speak to people 
on their second or third touch base with you. Right. Because then they're self-qualifying, right? Like then you have an audience that you know knows what your brand is, what you do. They've engaged with you. So they're going to be a lot more receptive to your follow-up message. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, I think, great information. I don't think the typical small business owner is ever thinking about stuff like this. And if they are, they're way more sophisticated than we've seen. Right. And it's not something that's available on the front end of the Facebook website or the Instagram website. It's all happening in that Facebook business manager and the ads manager. Mm-hmm. And they almost get thrown off with that option to boost a post, right? Like it's, right. you almost think you're doing something with that, right? And calling it an ad or whatever. Well, that's... Facebook is not exactly uh, pointing people in the right direction. They just <laughs> want to reach into your wallet. Of course. Quick $10 here and there. Yeah, exactly. It adds up. It adds up. Crazy for them, it adds up. Absolutely. So, Phil, uh, let's go back for a minute and conclude on on a note that's probably somewhat exciting for you, I think, Mm -hmm. but also for me. Um, We talked about, like, we talked about, you know, marketing in general. You need a goal, right? Right. But if you're going to have a goal and you're going to, you know, affect... uh, um, you know, marketing strategies and tactics to achieve that goal. And one of the most important parts of understanding whether you're succeeding or not is measuring toward that goal. Yes. Okay. So maybe talk a little bit about some of the metrics that you look up, uh, you you report on, uh, and how, you know, the tools that you use for reporting for clients. At the very, very least, everybody that has a website should have Google Analytics installed. It's a free tool. It's been a free tool for years. Google has absolutely no plans on starting to charge money for it. It takes, and depending on what platform a website is built on, there's always an easy add-on that already exists. You create your Google Analytics account. It asks you to copy this number, paste it in there. Because what that allows you to do is understand how many visitors are you getting to your websites. At the very least, you can see what your, the traffic on your website looks like. And then you can get a little bit more granular to see where they're coming from. Am I getting a lot of traffic from this part of town or this province or this country, depending on where you operate? Then that allows you to help shape your, your marketing objective, your marketing initiatives. So that's the number one must-have, no matter what. You have a website, get Google Analytics. Another really interesting tool is called the Google Search Console. Back in the day... When Google was first starting out, if somebody came to your website, they typed in product X on Google and they came to you, they clicked on a on the search result, they went to your website, Google would show you that keyword that brought them to your sites. A few years, well, it's been, I think, over 10 years now, analytics no longer reports on those organic keywords, the non-paid search keywords. But that information still exists in a tool called Google Search Console, which is again is free, very simple implementation. And it allows you to uncover all that uh, all that keyword data, which is really interesting. Seeing how are people getting to your to your websites organically? What keywords are they searching for? That's another fantastic tool for reporting. And then putting it all together because analytics can be a little bit intimidating if you're not familiar with the platform. But luckily, there are tools. And again, I keep referencing Google because oh, it's Google. <laughs> they, they, they own everything. There's a tool called Google Data Studio, which allows you to take data from different sources or from analytics that I just mentioned, Search Console, 
and put it all together in this neat little, it could be a one pager, it could be a 20 pager, whatever you want it to be. And Google but ads as well. And Google ads and Facebook ads and any other marketing tactics platforms you might be running on. You can import all that data in this tool, Google Data Studio, and lump it all together into a neat little chart. Here's how much my total marketing investment was. Here's how many visitors I brought to my site from all these various sources, my conversion rates from all these different sources. And it's all, all there and it's on a single page rather than having to log on to all these different tools. So what are some of the KPIs like that you would recommend somebody look at to understand what they're achieving uh, if they don't really know what to look at? Depending, and again, it's very, it, it depends on the type of business. If it's a, an e-commerce site, a website that sells actual products, I would look at, well, first of all, the number of, the number of transactions, obviously. But more importantly, the, the primary KPI I would look at for an e-commerce campaign would be the return on ad spend. So for every dollar spent in marketing efforts, how much did we generate in revenue? Yeah. So that at the very bare minimum, you want to at least hit 100% return on ad spend. You're breaking even before factoring in margins and profits and all that. But then that's definitely the number one for an e-commerce campaign. For other types of clients, if it's lead generation, obviously your conversion rate is going to be very important. Your cost per acquisition is going to be important. And that's all data that lives in Google Analytics. You just need to assemble it. And that's where a tool like Data Studio comes in really handy. And those are your, what I'll call your performance metrics or your business performance metrics. And then on the media side, whoever is managing the campaign would look at cost per click, click through rates. If there's a search campaign, you're looking at things like search impression share. There's a lot of metrics. And what we normally do is we work with the client to understand what is important for them because we can put in all the KPIs, but if the client question has no idea what they mean or just does not care. They just want the bottom line. Yeah. We'll usually adjust it, uh, adjust it to each client. Some clients absolutely love knowing what their search impression share is. They like to see the progression. Is it improving? Is it decreasing? What are the opportunities? Case by case. Uh, I think, I think this is like the place where we need to cut Phil off because we can go on for hours. I like, I could keep talking I, like we we for can hours. go forever on this topic. And I think, you know, for the purposes of this audience and this discussion today, we should look at look at just the basics. And I think we've covered that pretty well. And I think the key takeaways for me are, you know, make sure that you understand why you'd want to advertise in the first place, what you want to achieve, uh, execute a proper strategy to achieve those specific goals, and then make sure that you're measuring to understand if mm -hmm. those goals are being hit and uh, and how. And, and I've, and I've seen Phil come onto phone calls and make recommendations and say to clients, you know, we need to turn this off, turn that on. We need a new landing page. We need this, we need that. And, you know, that's where I think the, the expertise comes in and the guidance that you get from somebody with experience versus taking it on for your, by yourself when you have everything else about your business to worry about. Right. And that experience... Oh, go ahead, I was going to say the only thing I would add to that summary is that it's not an overnight run one ad and boost your sales the next day or the next week kind of thing like you mentioned so like it's a bit of a long-term game like most things are in marketing and that's yeah. it you need to adjust you need learnings you need uh, data yeah. yeah do you need yeah. data 
Maybe that'll be the topic for our next conversation. Ooh. Oh, you see, I told you. Daniel I coming back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Phil. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. It is my pleasure. Talk to you guys soon. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Great. Honestly, like I think Phil is the the right guy. Like I love working with him. I think he's uh, he's really got a handle on how to handle clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think when you get on a call with a client and he talks about his resume working with some, you know, Fortune 500 companies and blue chip clients, that for the small business owner, that brings them a lot of sort of peace of mind that, oh, if this guy did that, then he can, you know, he mm-hmm. can handle my stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You've been working with Phil for a little bit now too. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he's absolutely the expert in the area. And as he was talking about the metrics and analytics, I think we need to have him back on for a call strictly about metrics and analytics. I think it's super important. And like you said, he's the guy for it. So yeah, 100%. And yeah. and so much of what we talk about, you know, doesn't just apply to the one discipline. It, all, it always applies to marketing in general, which yeah. is kind of the point of our show a little bit. So that's great. All right. So what do we uh, what do we have coming up? Coming up next, we have Megan Lamley. She's a sales expert. So she's going to talk to us all about sales. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So I look forward to that and uh, look forward to reconnecting soon. Awesome. Thanks, Nikki. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Cool. I don't know.